10. Who of you have ever played the game Broken Telephone? Anyone in here? Kids game, very easy. You don't need any props. You just need humans. And then you whisper in someone's ear, and then they've got to turn to the person next to them and tell that person what was whispered in their ear. And then by the end, it's the fun reveal moment where it is completely different and misconstrued than what was said at the beginning. So today we're going to play a collective game of broken telephone. You guys ready for this? So find the person to your left. Okay, so if you're sitting to the left of someone and there's no one to the left of you, that's where the broken telephone ends. Okay. (laughs) But maybe there's a long queue somewhere in here. But here's the thing. This morning, I'm going to let you in on broken telephone all at once, and then you're going to have to try and repeat that down the line. So not only are you getting what I'm going to say all at once, everyone's going to hear it. It's going to be an interesting uh, social exercise this morning to say, to see if you can actually take what I say, hear it, and then pass it on to the person next to you. So you guys ready? Once I'm done saying it, I'm not going to whisper it, I'm going to say it. You turn to the person on your left and you say it to them, and then if there's someone on your left, you keep it going, and let's see if you guys get it right. You guys ready? Set up tight. Here we go. In my garden, I'm growing parsnips, rhubarb, pomegranates, and kumquats. (laughs) Go for it. All right, I see a long line running over there. Let's see how far it goes. I see people waiting to hear it, but they're still figuring it out in their heads. <laughs> Annalise, I think you see last There's a long road there. You're on that road. Let's see if you've got it. Say it out loud. <laughs> Try your best. No, no, you've got to say the line. Yeah. Ah, now who's confident? (laughs) Who's confident that at the end of the line you still have it? Anyone in here that wants to give it a try? Okay, so let's go back to the source. In my garden, I'm growing parsnips. Oh, Rhubarb, pomegranates, and kumquats. Don't know what a kumquat is? You can Google it after church. It's amazing how even for me, I needed to pull up the phone and go back to the source to make sure that I get it. And that's how it is with church today. Church has been passed along through the generations And through this past two years, in such a way that it's been conveyed from one to another in a way that we might have misunderstood what church is all about. And this morning, we're going to go back to the source. We're going to go back to Jesus, who's the first person to talk about the idea of church in Scripture. And not that, we're going to go back to the source of Jesus who passed it along to Peter and his disciples and eventually passed along to Paul through discipling Paul and eventually we're going to end up in Revelation and we're going to get a fresh and a refreshed view of what church is about. So this morning, I want to invite you to go back to the source, 
to allow your thinking and your definition of church to be established again on what is said in the Word of God. Church, in my opinion, simply starts here. It's people who follow Jesus together. That's the essence. Unless there's disciples, there will be no church. Sometimes we want to enter through the church route, but we never become a disciple. But Jesus made it so clear that it was those who followed him who became the church. And it's those who followed him who became the church who then stewarded the church with the same message, making disciples who are then empowered by the Spirit, who know the Word of God and who goes into all the world and make nations, uh, make disciples of all the nations this morning. So I want to say this morning that welcome to church is simply this. It's welcome to following Jesus together. We don't follow Jesus alone. No man is an island. No woman is made to follow Christ just in her own relationship. We are meant to follow Jesus in community. We aren't meant to follow community and maybe plug Jesus in on the side. There is a whole lot of that in our culture. Oh, I love my community. I love my community. And every now and again, hey, let's just plug some Jesus in there. No, when we are the church, we follow Jesus, but we do it with one another. And Jesus was with his disciples in Matthew chapter 16, and he has a conversation with them. And he asked them, who do you say I am? First of all, he asked, what do the people say I am? But then, who do you say I am? This morning, I want to ask you, are you defining church by what the people say church is or by what Jesus say church is? That's an important question for us. Who do we say Jesus is and who do we say church is? And to that, Peter responded and he said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. You are the Christ, the anointed one, the Messiah. You and you alone are the one. Who can we go to because you hold the words to eternal life, Jesus? You are it. Again, welcome to new is welcoming to a person, and that person's name is Jesus Christ. And Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And then Jesus responds with these words. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will build my... What does that word mean? When Jesus said this word, he chose the word ecclesia. And the word ecclesia in its essence means called out. It comes from two root words, the word ek to be out from, and the word kaleo, to be called. So Jesus said, Peter, you are saying the truth, and on this foundation that I am the Christ, and you guys have come to me as the foundation, on that truth, I will establish my called out people. I will establish my called out community. There's a lot of study around this word ecclesia, and in its most reduced form, it is simply a gathering. But that was also the word that was used on, on the normal street for people getting together. But Jesus is saying, no, no, there's a deeper meaning in this. It is a people who's called out unto me. 
So if we say we are the church, or we go to church, or we having church, what we are saying in essence is we are being called out to Christ. We have been called out from the world, we have been called out from our past, and we are now residing and living around Christ. So if Jesus was here this morning, and he was playing broken telephone with us, not that he ever does, because he makes it so super clear, he would have just said, be part of my called out ones, because that group of called out people That is my church, and I will build it, and I will establish it, and not even the strength of hell can come against it. Not even the strength of hell can oppose this called out community. Peter then echoes this in his first epistle. We we read in chapter 2, verse 9, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. He was writing to the church back then who was dispersed across Asia, Asia Minor in that time and into the world, and he's writing this letter to say, remember church, this is who you are, you are called out. You are called out of darkness, you are called out of the world, you are called out of the culture, you are called out of the broad road that is heading to destruction, you are the called out ones. And then he says, within that, there's a whole lot of new identity. You are a chosen race. That means you are different than any other race in this world because you are the chosen called out ones of Christ. You are a royal priesthood, which means every believer is a priest in the family and the kingdom of God to steward his ministry into the world. You are a holy nation, not just a nation, but a set apart, purified, clean nation. You are a people for his own possession. So first of all, church is a place where we are called out to belong. We come into a place where we belong in Christ Jesus as his possession, as a different people who sound and act and live different to the world. You see, if I had to ask you what's your definition of church this morning, and that's me too, we'll probably go through an hour and a half on a Sunday morning or this or that, or maybe you've got a a little bit more of a grander view of church. You'll speak about the global church or maybe you'll think fondly of a community of people that you are following Jesus together with. But the first call to church is that of belonging. It's that of coming to Christ where he says, I have paid a high price for you. I've ransomed you and redeemed you and you now belong to me. It's a place of belonging. I think it breaks the heart of Jesus that people would sit in a church, but they don't belong to him. They belong to the moment. They belong to the community. But they can't say that I am the possession fully of Christ. So first of all, it is a call to belong to the Father. It is a call to belong to Jesus Christ. It's a call to belong to the Holy Spirit because we read in Acts how that first community who were around Jesus Christ were waiting and the Holy Spirit infilled them completely and then the church was born. And like we sang this morning, we've got to make room so that we can know, Spirit of God, I belong to you, so show me what you want to do. That is a daily prayer. It's not a once-off moment. 
to know that I belong to him and I am now spirit empowered. And as I have been renewed in Christ, his spirit and the same spirit that raised him from the dead now lives in me. That's where I belong. Can you imagine if all of us lived like that every single moment of our lives, what this community will look like? I know I say that a lot, but I believe and I'm desiring to see that more in this Haldeberg community where we face whatever we face and say, I am Christ's possession. Therefore, Lord, show me how I need to be in this moment. But then we aren't just called to belong to the Father, to Christ, and to the Spirit. We are called to belong to one another. We are called to follow Jesus together. He makes it so clear. You, the collective you, not the individual you, have to come together because you have become a new race. You are a royal priest to the holy nation, a people for his possession. Church today is meant to be a little glimpse of church that's happening in heaven all along. If you go to the book of Revelation, you'll see that surrounding the throne of the Lord are peoples of all nations, are the elders and the angels singing and praising Him. And we get to reflect that because we belong around the centrality of Jesus' throne in the middle of our lives. So not only is it just something we do, it is something that we convey to the world, that we are a called out people who center our lives around the Lordship of Jesus Christ. So first of all, are you in that place of belonging where you belong to Him around His throne and with His people? Where you represent Christ in all moments of your life. But not only there, we move on to our friend Peter this morning, back to the sources that we have about church. Church is also a place where we are called out to be his body. It's not just a space of worship and, 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 and in the awe and the fullness of just, just being completely lost in the, the sense of Jesus. That's going to come in heaven. But while we are here on earth, we're representing him as a body. We become his hands and feet. We do good works. And the Bible says that the good works will be celebrated in heaven one day. But we are called to live in that place of representing him in this earth. The most important part of a body is a, let's see if you guys know your biology, a, a head. I know if you take out the heart, the body won't keep going, but if you take off the head, there's nothing that's gonna keep going. I think you can still connect the body to some things to keep the heart going, but if you remove the head, the body is dead. And it's because of that that Jesus said, or Paul said this about Jesus, and he put all things under his, Jesus' feet, and he gave him as a head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. If you are new to Every Nation Halderberg, you might not have heard this being said, but please don't think I lead this church, because I don't. Jesus does. I'm not the head of this church. Jesus is. I've got a function in the body, yes, and it might be that it's to pump all the blood through the arteries to make sure that the body is functioning, but he is the head. And a church will never be a church when the head is removed. Churches stop becoming a church the moment that Christ's lordship and throne is removed from its rightful place. 
And then because we are a body, that head then puts the body into place and gives all of us something to do. It gives all of us a function to do. You know what? Most churches maybe today is a five-fold body. There's five parts to the body. If you do biology, you'll know that there are endless amounts of cells. There are endless amounts of body parts, of bones, of skin that you can stretch out meters far that makes up a body. But somehow churches have reduced most of their expression to a five-fold body. Just five parts. There's a head, which is Jesus. There's a pastor, which might be the heart. There's a staff, who's the hands. There's the musician. I don't know what we call them, but they might be the goosebumps. And then there's those who serve tea and coffee and pack out chairs. So that's what the church body in general looks like today. And I know I'm massively generalizing. But that's how we've reduced it. We've got to go back to the source. Knowing that if Christ is the head and he places you within a body to belong, then he has a call and a plan and a gift and something on your life that you bring to church and you become part of a functioning body. You don't just sit back and say, well, there's a head, there's a heart, there's some hands, there's some goosebumps, and there's people who serve tea and coffee or water on a warm day. And thank goodness we don't have to pack our chairs anymore. The new chapel is so nice. We don't have to pack out the chairs, and they're soft and comfy. Have we reduced church like that in our hearts to a five-part body? See, 1 Corinthians says this, now you are the body of Christ, you, the collective you, each one of you in there, and each one of you is a part of it. If you ever doubted that, I'm reminding you this morning. And God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healings, of helping, of guidance, and of different kinds of tongues. He's explaining in a very brief, summarized version how there's many gifts, but if you read the full body of text about the church in the New Testament, you'll know that there's a diversity of gifts, even things like hospitality and generosity and administration are gifts that God has given the church. We all have our part to play. And then Paul says, are all apostles? Please not, because there will not be a church because everyone will be out there changing the world. That's what apostles do. They go and break new ground. They are the saint ones. Are all prophets? Please let us all not be prophets because we need the teachers to teach us the word of God so that we can weigh what the prophet says. Are all of us teachers? No, we should not all be teachers. And please make sure if you want to be a teacher that you know that scripture says that those who desire to teach desire is a good thing, but know that there's a double judgment on you when you teach the word of God, which puts the fear of God on teachers and those teaching the word. He's saying, you know what, we don't all play the same part. When do we all play the same part? Well, clearly when we are here. Right now we are all playing the same part because we're sitting around the Word and hearing what God is saying. A few minutes ago, we were all playing the same part because we were raising our hands in worship and singing with our mouths. But beyond that, you are part of a body where you've got to do your part and live out the call of Christ on your life. And its simplest form, it is this, that you will be a disciple maker. So if you're sitting here this morning and you feel like you've got to go do a gift test and your fifth personality test because the tools keep changing and your umpteenth 
online test on where you've got to serve and you've got to think about the season that you are in and the things you've got to do. I want to go back to the source and say when God called his church, he said, go into all the world and make disciples. So as the body, that is what we're going to do. And that is what we ought to do. We ought to make disciples. And we do it simply in two things. We gather and we go. What does it mean for us as a church to gather and to go? We gather on Sundays for worship. We gather for moments of prayer throughout. And then we also gather for moments of equipping. And throughout this year, we've got exciting moments. We're going to present courses, train you guys and things. There's been a hunger and a desire for that. But then also we go. All of us take our feet as the body into the world, and we go to make disciples. And we do it in two simple ways here at Every Nation Helderberg. We do that through follow groups. We used to have life groups, which do not operate anymore. We now have follow groups, and we go through missional living out in our communities. Each one of you is a missionary placed in your workplace to represent Jesus and his church. If we do that, then we become the body. And yes, there are added gifts and added things, but you know what? We wait for the Sunday service and we think our gifts should only operate there. No, your gifts ought to operate in your daily life. You can be praying for someone to be healed at your workplace and that gift is there if that's the gift God has for you. You can walk into the store and go support Marcel and Janine at Spa and God can give you a prophetic word to give someone because the gift is there, because the Spirit of God is in you. You can walk down the road and have a conversation with someone in the business world who is struggling to find out what the next strategic step is and your gift of administration could be used to help the company as a witness to who Jesus is. So all of us are called to be the body, not just here, but out there every single day. I'm gonna ask Sam to come and join me for a moment. Sam and Tobeka are fairly new to us as a family and uh, he's been gathering in his follow group, and I want him to just briefly share his testimony as what it's meant to him to be part of this follow group. Thanks, my friend. Thank you, Pierre. Good morning, church. How's everyone doing this morning? Good, good. Thanks, Pierre, for the opportunity. I just want to share briefly how I found the experience of being part of a follow group. So Tobega and I started fellowshipping here at Helderberg around uh, mid-year last year. And uh, quickly thereafter, towards the end of the year, Pierre invited me to just join the follow group. So it's been such a beautiful experience getting to connect on a weekly basis where we are able to be open and share where we are in our lives and in our walk uh, with the Lord, how we are doing even from a family point of view in the workplace. And it has really built me up a lot. I've grown in so many different ways, also in just walking, you know, being led uh, by the Spirit. As we gather on a weekly basis, we basically center our conversations on sharing what the Word says. So we'll be open in terms of where we are, and with what Scripture says, we encourage one another. And it's been such a wonderful experience to be able to not only focus on what I am going through, but to remember, just like Pierre has said just now, that God has called us to go out into the nations and make disciples. So I've been encouraged even in my workplace as well to be sympathetic, you know, with the people that are around me and to understand the influence that God has given me and the favor that he has placed upon me to be able to be that positive influence in the workplace.
So even in being a part of the follow group, I even shared with Pierre, I think it's one of the reasons why I'm standing here. I said that there's the boldness and the confidence that I've gained, you know, with engaging um, with him and Henry in our follow group. And he said that, I'm going to test you, Sam. You better come and stand. <laughs> Let's see the boldness uh, come through. So you, you really get to grow. You are encouraged. You are built up. So I just want to say to the church this morning that uh, when the opportunity does come, definitely get plugged in to a follow group. It's going to be the best decisions that the best decision that you've ever made, and I believe that God will really walk with you, build you up, and take you further than where you could have ever gone on your own. Thank you so much. Well done. Thank you, Sam. I couldn't have said it better. Follow groups are simply a place, and this is how we do it. Men and women separate a group of up to five or six who sits around the Bible for an hour a week, open up the scripture, read a verse, and then say, are we living this? How are we living this? What is God showing me? What do I need to change? You see, that's the body being the body in its fullness. It moves away from the five-part body on a Sunday where there's a pastor and some hands and tea and coffee and a music team. And it moves the body into its existence. Some of you might feel like for the first time you are waking up as a Christian if you start living there. Because for you, the body has been reduced to the duomenisa job um alles to doen. The Bible makes it clear. Leadership is there to equip the saints for the work of ministry. And that's my biggest responsibility is to make sure that you guys are a body who lives out the call of Christ on your life. So how do we do follow groups? Very simple. You gather around. We've got the resource for you to go through. And it's written in a way that anyone can facilitate a follow group. You don't have to wait until we've got multiple people who's ready to just get people sent. You can start as friends and family this morning and form a follow group. And then you can say, let's call it time, be it Friday morning at 9 o'clock or Wednesday night at 8 o'clock or be it Sunday after church or before church. We're going to come early and sit in these nice gardens and do follow group. That's up to you. But then men and women sit together with the Bible opened. It's gender specific. So we're doing that because there's a greater accountability and depth that come when we can speak with vulnerability and openness about our lives. And as Sam said, we encourage one another in our role as husbands and wives and what it is to be a godly man and a godly woman. So this morning, we wanted to create the opportunity for you to be part of a follow group. And not just this morning, over the next few weeks potentially months, we're going to continue speaking about this. Because I want to be able to look Jesus in his face one day when he returns. And I want to say, Lord, I had the joy to lead a body that was operating, a body that was living out their godly call, each one of them alive, connected to the head, connected to one another, living it out. So this morning, if you feel that conviction, and I don't want you guys to respond just because you have to, I want you to make that decision like, I need this. I want to be part of a church and of a group where I grow. It's very simple. On the screens, and we'll send this out to you guys in this week. If you want to start a follow group, so you say, yes, I've got a few friends together. Or you might say, you know what, I want to lead one. You just SMS or text start on WhatsApp to that number. That's our WhatsApp line. You can take a picture of it and do it later today if you want to.
If you want to join a group, you might be new year, you might be finding your feet in this community and like, you know what, I don't know a lot of people, I'd love to be part of a group, but I don't know where to start, you can just WhatsApp the word join to the same number. And throughout this week and through this month, someone on our discipleship team will be in touch with you personally and help you take the next steps so that we are a body who know that we are the called out ones, not just called out on Sundays once a week, called out daily, but there's a moment in the week where the called out ones comes together. And what a beautiful place to bring friends along that might be interested to know more or to meet Jesus and they can sit and have coffee with you and hear your conversations. We've been hearing testimonies of follow groups who meet in coffee shops and the next door neighbors are tuning into the conversation. And then another week, they're sitting close enough to hear what the guys are saying. And then a third time, and these guys say, hey, do you want to join us? <laughs> Opportunity for you to grow. And that's how we will be the body of Christ in our community. But I love something that Sam said this morning. He spoke about boldness. And that's my third point this morning, that we, the church, are called out to be bold. The opening statement when Jesus introduced the idea of the called out ones to Peter and his disciples, he said this, and I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Church, it's time for us to regain the confidence that we should have in Jesus, that it doesn't matter what the world throws us. We are the bold, called out ones, that the darkness of hell can come knocking, but we can kick it straight back where it needs to go because we are the called out, bold ones who stand firm in this world because Jesus is our Lord and we are following him. Can you believe that this morning? Do you believe in a place of living that you can live so completely in trust to him that whatever happens, your boldness does not wane because you are seated in Christ? Can we rid our mouths from the sentiment of the world, of our nation going down into, into the gutters, of things around the world being hard, and be a church who stand up and say, hell, even if you bring your strongest gate, we will remain standing because we are bold as the body of Jesus. That's what he has called us to. And don't say amen if you are forwarding things on WhatsApp that is negative about our nation. Let the Holy Spirit convict you this morning to say, I'm going to speak faith. I'm going to speak life. I'm going to be the body that represents Christ in this world. That he is the one that when we follow him, we don't have to shrink back as Hebrews 10 says, but we remain confident holding on to the one who promised because the one who promised is faithful. Come on, church. Let's live there again. We have for too long allowed the world to define church for us. Oh, the church must just not be too bold. They must just not speak too bold, too many bold things. They should please not speak about sin because they're so judgmental. When I open up the word of God and I say what God says about a lifestyle of holiness, I'm not being judgmental. I'm just being pointing to the word. Because if I become judgmental, then I assume Christ's role as the judge and then I'm in the wrong. So what am I to do? What are we to do in this world that is sinking in darkness and sin? We ought to go out there and boldly proclaim the way and the truth and the life, which is Jesus, which is one way we could be sinless, where we become a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. Can we live in that boldness again? Jesus thinks this of his church, and Paul pens it in Ephesians. Through the church, get this, through the church, 
the manifold wisdom of God might be made known to rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. He chooses you and me. He chooses this expression to show the spiritual world and the darkness that there is in the spiritual world just how bright and how wise he is. Isn't that profound? If we hold a low view of what church is, we will have a low level of boldness. But if we realize that church is the expression to which and through which Jesus proclaims his wisdom and his manifold wisdom, which means wisdom of many colors, he uses us to proclaim it. And then he says this, this was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness. Can we restore our boldness? Can we not let church be defined by our experience? by our 45 minutes on the couch. It's time for the church to return to the gathering place, away from the television, because it's in that gathering that we see and feel and experience the boldness. It's there where we stir one another on to love and good works. Can we not let church be defined and our boldness wane because we are scared of man? Who do we fear? Do we fear the Lord? And as it's written in Scripture, it's, it's worse to fall into the hands of the Lord than to fear man. Or have we become fearful of man and our boldness has waned? If Jesus said it, I believe it, that settles it. I sound like a real tweetable pastor this morning. That's not my goal. But what I'm trying to do is to say, Jesus said, guys, the gates of hell will not prevail against my church. So if it is prevailing, are we allowing it to? Thank you, Eugene. Yes. Let's restore our boldness. Let's proclaim with faith the truth of Jesus Christ in this world. Let's go and make disciples. Let's follow Jesus together. Let's invite the world into that space, and we will see a body who operates in the fullness of what God has for us. And then lastly, and this is beautiful, we're not just called out to belong. We're not just called out to be a body. We're not just called out to be bold. We are called out as his bride. When Jesus thinks of his church, it's like a man the night before his wedding day and all he can think about of is tomorrow where he gets to see that perfect bride and he would give anything in that moment for that moment that is to come. He would lay down his life for it because tomorrow is the day when he sees his bride and they become one. And Jesus said this again we're in Ephesians. Husband, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she might be holy and without blemish. When Jesus thinks about his church, he sees a bride holy and without blemish. He sees a bride ready for him. He sees a bride who has rid herself of her past, of her brokenness, and said, I am embracing the new creation, Christ, that I have in you. He doesn't just think of us as a body, as a workforce. He doesn't just think of us as an army to go and take his message to the world. He thinks of us as his most favorite beloved. Thinks of us as a husband. Thinks of his future bride. Isn't that beautiful? Do we live there 
with such an understanding that we are the future bride of Christ. And Revelation points us there. Let us rejoice and exult and give him the glory for the marriage of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. It was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure, for the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. How do we live as the bride? It's clothing ourselves with purity. It's clothing ourselves with holiness, set apart living. It's clothing ourselves on the narrow road, walking towards Jesus. Guys, this is a message we're going to have to hear daily in this world that we are in. We can't clothe ourselves with our sinfulness. We can't clothe ourselves with our filth. We've got to clothe ourselves with the fullness of Christ. And how do we get there? Daily the opportunity is there for His new mercies to wash over us and wash us clean. So if today is a bad day and you have messed up somehow, go back to the throne of mercy and say, Jesus, I can come boldly to your throne of grace because you've opened up a way. Come and wash me clean again. Today I want to be a pure and white bride in your sight. And then the bride lives with good works in her hands. She goes around ministering the love of Christ to the world around her. You know what the best bride is? Is the one who tells all her friends of the handsome young man that she's about to marry, who's all gigglish and excited the day before her wedding day because the husband that she wants is preparing himself for her. Do you get excited for the day of Christ's return? Do you get all giddish and when you think about Jesus' return, where he's going to come and we're going to enter to that place of matrimony and union that this world would never offer us in its fullness. But here we get to have tastes of that. And I want to say those tastes are here as a church together. It's these moments that we had this morning of just waiting on him and enjoying him through our worship. So I want you to leave this morning with a very clear message so that you can go out and play the telephone game with the world. Play it with your own heart. Play it with your own family and say, the church is simply a group of people who follow Jesus together. And as we are a group of people who follow Jesus together, we belong to him. And in that belonging, we belong to a body. And within that body, I have a, a place to work, to fulfill my duties, to do my part. But not just that, that body becomes a place of boldness where the called out ones are together and say, together we can face whatever this world might put in our way. And not just that, the church is a bride where we enjoy the beauty of Christ Jesus and his throne and his life in our midst to respond to the prophetic word this morning. I hope that some of your hearts have been rewired as to what church is. Over the past season, we've been quick to redefine church because of necessity of not being able to gather, because of necessity of not being able to be physically in person and to be online. And we were quick to say, hey, this is church. Church is an online moment. Church is a building. Church is a place to gather. You see, in the good and the bad, we've kind of reduced church. But this morning, can we have the heightened view of church again? A belonging, a body, something that's bold, and the bride of Jesus Christ.
Let's pray together. Jesus, thank you that you have showed us the way so clearly. Lord, my prayer is simple this morning, that these words from your word would shape and reshape our hearts this morning. That before we say, yeah, I'm part of every nation, Halderberg, that we would say, I follow Jesus. That before we say, we gather at Somerset College Chapel, that we would say, we gather around his throne. That before we say, yeah, it's a great bunch of people, that we can say, Lord, we are an effective body, making disciples of the whole world. Lord, that we would become bold to make the name of Jesus great in our generation. So I pray, Lord, as we leave here today, come and set our hearts on this vision afresh, that when we say, welcome to church, we don't limit it to mere physical things, but we know, Lord, that this is a spiritual place where you declare to the spiritual world just how wise you are. Lord, it puts humility in my heart this morning that you would choose us, people with our challenges and our brokenness to represent you, not just in this world, but even in the spiritual world. Lord, and it's our prayer this morning to represent you well. It's our greatest desire. I pray, Father, as we journey into this year, as we journey into the vision and the mission that you have for us as a church, may we grow as disciples who make disciples. May we not tick boxes, but may we please the King in the way that we think and move and worship. I pray, Father, that we'll find community this year in one another that sits around your Bible in our follow groups and we disciples are being made. So we trust you for that this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.